Welcome to the Reimagine Podcast, a podcast that looks to reimagine faith and life and community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 44, we reimagine faith and work in the workplace, or how do we glorify God in our work? Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hey. Hello. That was kind of deep. Hey, like, hey. like you're sitting off to the left of my left of me, several distances away. Several, and I and I, it's almost like I don't know, like a soul train sound. Yeah. Oh, soul train! You yeah. remember that? When yeah, used to come on. Yeah, yeah. Don soul train. And what was the other one? What was the other one that came on? Uh, not American Bandstand. American Band. That was it. That was it. You remember that? Come on now. I didn't think you were that old. Rocking to them on sick days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. There you go. There we go. Hey, uh, so um, you know, the thing about this banner, I just show up and kind of do something, right? That's what's great about this. Mm-hmm. So you talked several weeks ago about how you love the the car buying and home shopping experience. Ah. Uh, over the past weekend, uh, I had the opportunity. Just Kelly and I went out. You know, we wanted to explore some other places in the city, and so we. Got some things set up and went and viewed some new places, uh, particularly down there on the on the kind of near the financial district, down by the James River and across the water there in the Manchester district area, which right. is a lot of new stuff. A lot right. of new stuff, and you can say like in a year and a half, two years, it's going to be a resemblance of Scott's Edition feel, just in a different part of the neighborhood. So all this is developing. So I, we said, let's just go out and look. And so we started going and looking at these places. I mean, really, some really nice nice views in terms of windows and. Uh, everything, glass walls, you know, and things like that. So real creative, very industrial and things like that. But, you know, I was thinking about, as you look at those things, a lot of times you realize what you have is, is nice, right? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, but it's good to go out, look and see, get a feel. Do you want something different? I mean, I even I even went to the penthouse floor, uh, you know, in one of these buildings. And, I mean, it's something. So I'm not moving now, there. No, no. It's interesting is that I actually – after we talked about that, I went to try to Google to find. I said, like, I want to see those pictures of that top floor and yeah. what it looked like, but yeah. I couldn't find it. So that's only for a select few. I, obviously, I didn't have the Google password. <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, in there, no. so for that. So one. yeah, you guys got that sowing seed yeah. money <laughs> going on here. What's hey. going on? Hey. I just wanted to see how the other people lived, not me. You know, hey, just my, sign- my, I have windows in my house, but yeah. they all look at the neighbor's garage. Yeah, hey, so just yeah, sign up for a tour. I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, no, that's good. Next date night. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we did that. Look what you'll never have, honey. That's right. <laughs> Stick with me. Yeah. We aren't going places. <laughs> uh, bellhop, basement, please. Uh, so we, we did that and had a good time. But then, you know, I came home and I was telling my, my oldest son about it. And he's like, oh, you should just buy a little place here and there. And I'm like, man, I like it that I don't do repairs. I like it that I don't have to fix something up. Now, right. I'm not the greatest handyman out there, right? You know, some, some people say the best tool in their, in their bag is a wallet. But I'm not the greatest Mine's handyman. Mine's awfully light. So, yeah. you know how good so, it is so my thought is, stuff. you know, I mean, you, you have several stories. You like shopping around, doing all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Are you a handyman? Um, not really. I mean, I, I can do some things, and then there's some things that I just don't want to do. So what? So. so tell me about your last issue or handyman problem. I just want to see how this plays out. Last handyman problem. What do we do? Well, I didn't do it. We had a we had a um, plumber at the house today. I I don't mess with plumbing. Yeah, you know, mm. I don't do that. So he was there, but. Um, yeah, so that's about. But I'm actually we bought we bought my son one of my son in laws a front door to their house, 
So the joke is, you know, we're going to put it in. I'm like, I can put in a door. I've worked carpentry in summers <laughs> before in college and stuff. I know how to do that. And they're like, but really, Dad, you can do that? Yes, I can do that. So there's just some things I choose not to do. But, um, but yeah, I can I can do some things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do all kinds of stuff. Not not very well. Like, <laughs> but you're not afraid. It'll take me all afternoon on a Saturday. And so do you mess with like, Home Depot? And, do you mess with electricity and water? I have, yeah. Yeah. And you're still here. And we fixed, uh, I don't know how many times we fixed our washer and dryer, but okay. you know, you just, you just pull it up on YouTube and, yeah. uh, oh, that's true. And some guy's going to talk you through it and you got to watch it several times and <laughs> it's not know. good video <laughs> and the audio is hard to hear, but otherwise, uh, yeah. yeah we'll I, I pull up my phone and call Daryl. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and the grass is cut when I get home. The pool is clean. I mean, it's, yeah. you've got a coffee yeah. machine too. Right? I've got a car. Get up. Yeah. My first cup of coffee is on. On, on the other people. Yeah. I mean, I well, just walk you outside. pay for yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> I pay for <laughs> right. it. Yeah. But sure. I feel good getting it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was a good, good weekend getaway. But, I mean, yeah, sure. we stayed at four different properties. Yeah. Until <laughs> <laughs> they ask you to leave. Yeah. 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 Okay, sir, your tour is up. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually someone else's condo. Yeah, we need you to right. go. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I just think about that great. and refresh and, yeah. you know, where you are and, Different things like that. So that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and probably part of the reason kind of leads into today's conversation uh, that we're going to have is uh, you know being being Christ in the workforce or living that out because hand, uh, handyman work uh, can stretch my my mental vocabulary at times. Yeah, uh-huh. and and you know I I need to follow up with what I just said earlier. I don't want to give anyone the impression <laughs> that if they have a trouble, I'm, I'm the person put your you call. number on no, speed dial. No, 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 no. Let's yeah, yeah. That that is not the impression I want to leave with anybody. Yeah, because, don't uh, don't be afraid. Uh, yeah. Just uh, email us reimaginecast.com. Brian Dupuy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Handy man yeah. needs you got it. Yeah. So yeah, my my dryer still works, but it sounds like one of those caterpillar bulldozer things. You know, it's just loud and yeah, yeah. But it's it works. It works. Yeah, that's good. good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right, good. I feel better now. Okay, good. good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, today, uh, though, we are going to talk about uh, just uh, our experiences in the workplace. Right. And so we're excited to have our special guest on today. Uh, we're going to welcome uh, Jordan Maroon to the program, and we're excited about that. Jordan is newly appointed president and the executive director of Needles Eye Ministry. Uh, he's a succeeding longtime leader and founder, Buddy Childress. Uh, the mission of Needles Eye is to connect marketplace people to the gospel of Jesus and to encourage Christians to live out his values, ethics, and love at work. Jordan is actually a native Richmonder, and uh, he and his family moved back to Richmond following uh, 10 years of college ministry with uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So Jordan and his wife, Crystal, have three young kids, Riley, Copeland, and Piper, and they live on the south side of the city. So Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys, and I'll chime in. I'm like Brian. I can repair a lot. I, I, I do repair things. It saves me money in the short term, but I'm sure it's depreciating the value of my house with every new repair. Yes. One it's day I'm going to pay for it when yeah. I try to sell the house and people are going, what is this nonsense? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but that's duct what you tape, do, right? Duct tape, right? You know, so yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I saw this duct tape here. Yeah. The the art of hiring, of, of, of hiding the jerry rig. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's what yeah. it boils down to. Yep. Yeah, people yeah. are wondering when I flip the light switch, why does the microwave turn on? I'm like, ah. <laughs> it's a weird. It was different in the '70s when they built this house. It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. So, Jordan, congratulations on uh, your new role. You've been there a while, and uh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, uh, and what part of Richmond were you originally from? 
Well, so I'm, I don't know if I get to claim being a native Richmonder because I'm, I grew up on the South side. We live on the South side. Now there are those who would say, if you're across the river, you're not really a Richmonder, but you know, once you live in a different state, nobody knows anything about Virginia except for <laughs> Richmond and DC. So that's the right. general area. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There yeah. You go. That's great. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Eagles, Needles Eye and uh, kind of your role there now as you transition. Yeah, so Needles Eye uh, started 43 years ago when God gave our founder, Buddy, basically a vision to return to the workplace and minister to the exact type of person that he himself had been. So he had been in sales, hard charging, very successful, but very disconnected from his faith and not really present uh, to his family. And so he in the 70s, came back to Richmond. He was a native Richmonder, actually, of the city, and uh, just started sharing Christ with people and going from there, building small groups, uh, having speaker events all over town. And one of the core ideas of Needle's Eye is that it's marketplace people ministering to marketplace people. So, a lot of what we do is just encourage and equip folks to glorify God at work and take all the stuff that they might learn at church on Sunday or in their small group And not only apply it to their family relationships or their friendships or their community, but also apply it maybe to profit margin, how they treat a coworker, a difficult boss, uh, how they think about being excellent in their work, all of those things. And then we also try to help folks who are perhaps uncomfortable with an overtly religious setting hear the gospel in a uh, marketplace setting, something that maybe they feel a little bit more at ease with. And so uh, we might have a lawyer uh, sharing their testimony, but also some of their best practices to fellow lawyers uh, in a boardroom uh, so that the gospel goes forward, but also excellence in work is promoted and folks feel uh, able to receive that and hear that and and learn from it. So that's that's kind of basically what we do. Uh, So we've been in COVID for a year now and a lot of things have changed. Obstacles have come our way. We've all had to uh, reimagine. We've had to adjust. We've had to change schedules. We've had to talk about what does it mean to connect people? Uh, so in our conversation about faith and work, what does it look like uh, for us uh, to glorify God in work? People are now working remotely. Uh, they're not in the office. They're on virtual mm-hmm. uh, tools on a regular basis. Can, can you speak into what is what has that been for, for your organization as you've moved in this direction? Sure. One of the things we've thought about and then tried to share with our our constituents, and we're going to keep doing that here in 2021, is a framework uh, developed by another marketplace ministry called the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And they call it the six M's for fruitful living on the front line. And basically what it comes down to is they interviewed all these believers all over England and found that even people who were doing tremendously valuable work perceived that their work was not important to God and not particularly connected to their faith unless they were sitting across from somebody for three hours sharing their whole faith story. If they weren't doing that, then it didn't matter if they were revitalizing, uh, you know, downtrodden school systems or doing all of this wonderful stuff. So they created this framework and we think it's really helpful, especially in the context of remote work. So I'll be real brief on these six, uh, but then I'll talk a little bit about how remote work applies so one of the six is being a messenger for the gospel. That's that's how most of us understand glorifying God at work, sharing your faith. But how do you do that in a busy workplace? How do you do that when you're working remotely? How do you do that if perhaps there are HR policies that make it that difficult? That's one of the things we talk about. And then there's you know modeling God's character and ministering grace and love. So how do you treat people, especially people you don't like or people who have made mistakes? How do you act? What do you embody in your work? 
there's making good work. So working with excellence, God himself is a worker. We see that in Genesis 1, and we give him glory and bear witness to him by making good work. You know, if you uh, are the nicest person in the world and you got a wonderful testimony, but you are a slacker in your job and everybody else has to pick up for your slack, when you go to tell them about Christ, they don't want to hear it because they're, they're frustrated with you already. So making good work is a big part of it. And then the other two are maybe a little more complicated, molding the culture of your office in whatever level of influence you have, great or small, how can you shape uh, the culture that you exist and work in, and then being a mouthpiece for truth and justice. And this really has to do with speaking up for what you know is right. Not so much your political views or your social views, even if those are wonderful and important, but what's relevant in your workplace? What are the moral issues in your workplace? And are you speaking up for them? Hey, I don't think we should cut corners for this particular client. I know that might save us money, but I think that's wrong. I don't think we should be ostracizing this particular coworker for whatever reason. And these are things that are not lost when you are working remotely. In fact, maybe they're more evident. How are you focusing uh, on your work when you are working remotely. Now you have a lot more distractions available to you. You could walk down the hall and watch Netflix and maybe nobody would know for 20 minutes. You could get up and do the laundry and maybe nobody would realize. But are you focused on the things in front of you? How are you trying to build relationships with remote colleagues? There are ways to do that. Uh, and it requires some creativity, but it goes a long way. And then what are you, uh, what are you embodying in your work? I think a lot of people are kind of in a little bit of a grumbling phase uh, with their work right now. It, this has been a hard year for a lot of folks, and I think that's very understandable. But are you just another voice complaining about the boss and how hard this situation is? Or are you maybe frustrated, but trying to have a Christ-like attitude and uh, in a gracious and kind way, trying to suggest that, hey, what the boss is dealing with is hard too. So I don't love the decision that was made, but maybe we want to cut her a little slack and try to treat her with a little more respect, that kind of thing. So I think there are a lot of ways that you can live out those different six M's in your work, regardless of what you're doing. So Jordan, those six M's then, are those what you use to define what we mean when we say faith and work? Or, uh, you know, it seems like, it seems like as you're talking through those, that that really gets at that, um, that phrase that we use a lot, faith and work. Uh, would you say that's that's true? Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. I think broadly speaking, yes. I mean, we, we in, uh, believe that faith and work really comes down to the creation mandate that God gave us, um, where the Lord told us to be fruitful and multiply and fill and subdue the earth. And this was pre-sin. This is before the fall. So God had a plan for us as human beings to partner with him and his work uh, all over the world. And that includes some of the work that we're doing now. It's not simply telling people about him because at that point in human history, the only people on the planet had a perfect relationship with God. So it wasn't exclusively evangelism that he was talking about. So yeah, so often the answer to our prayers are other men and women faithfully working unto the Lord. Mm. So if somebody is sick and you pray for them to get better, the Lord does that miraculously. He can do that miraculously, but often what he does is use the excellence of other folks in their work to shepherd your loved one back to health, whether it's a medicine that they spent years researching and developing, it's it's a nurse, it's a doctor, and so on. And so, yeah, we glorify God, but we also partner with him in his work in the world uh, 
in our jobs. Really, what as long as it's not illegal, your work is important to the Lord and has value to his kingdom. If it is illegal, I don't really know how you made your way to this podcast, but you know, uh, maybe try to do something else if you can. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for Green listening. Review. Uh, you know, I think there's something you were just talking about that I think is a whole nother conversation. Um, but I, I think about the whole, the excellence in work, doing well what we do. And, and while that is, it's one thing to do it well when people's eyes are upon you. It's another thing when you're there alone. And so what is it that you're focusing on? How are you doing your work? Are you doing it well with excellence or are you just trying to get by? Um, that's a whole nother. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's, you know, when you think about faith and work, that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge nonverbal cue as to your faith, mm-hmm. how you do that job. And um, I think that's important. I think that's a good, and that's one of the things that didn't change in a sense between remote or in person because you had to do it with the, the, the view on you is different, but you still have to do it well, you know, in order to, to have that, have that witness in a way in, in there. So of those six, I'm just curious. Uh, I, I think there, I think it was number three or number four that was in there about um, character aspects are you gaining any insight as to which people are, is there one people struggle with the most now? I mean, I, I would think for, for me, what I hear sometimes is just the tension of relationship because you're not getting the, the body language. You're not getting the, the, mm-hmm. the, I want to use the word emotional connection feel or whatever, but is there one of those that may be greater than an, another in, in what you're finding in helping people? That may be a greater challenge during this remote work season. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yes. But, yeah, I think I think that any of the interpersonal stuff seems to be a lot harder. Uh, I I really think all of them are harder. I mean, even making good work, we all struggle when we're in our offices with getting caught up in the tyranny of the urgent. Well, when you're home, the tyranny of the urgent includes the dishes in the sink, the laundry that needs to be folded. It's not just the workplace stuff. So I think that that has been a challenge for folks. But um, I, I think what seems to be the hardest is it's Groundhog Day. It's just every day is the same. And you feel like there's no sense of progress and movement. And what we, including me, look to for some sort of positive feedback loop in our work is largely missing that whether it's connectivity with other people or a job well done, or you did that event and it went really well. And those events are all being canceled and those opportunities aren't there. So I think think that sort of consistency day-to-day is both a challenge but maybe an opportunity to lean more on the Lord for your identity and your satisfaction. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things as you're talking, making me think about um, one of the things that you're doing <clears throat> in this role now um, here at Cool Spring as strategy and development is that we are spending more time celebrating um, mm-hmm. the wins and celebrating the stuff that we're doing well. And so you're allowing, I mean, as we meet and as we gather, you, we, you're, you have an agenda to celebrate now maybe that's the winning sports mentality and and you want to have the trophy or whatever but i mean i think it is this whole idea of um people need opportunity to celebrate they need to have a slap on the back and need to hear that and where those informal conversations were present before you have to be much more intentional about them today so yeah so as somebody has their pulse on the workforce or the workplace in the richmond metro area uh, kind of where you're, you're settled in at. 
Do you have any thoughts about the the future work or increasing impact of technology uh, on careers going forward? It's one thing that you know we're uh, we're kind of. I'm really interested in this and, and knowing what you have because people are having the conversation of is the workforce going to continue to be uh, productive in a remote concept right. or uh, is what is that going to look like? Or are people going to go back? We're, we're in this neutral zone and not really sure about a new beginning of what the workforce looks like, at least from what I'm looking at. What What's the insight that you have on future workforce? Yeah. And some of this is a little bit beyond uh, my field of, of knowledge, but we had a, a few conferences a year, uh, excuse me, a few years ago, we had two different conferences talking about the future of the workforce. And one of the big elements was how was technology going to disrupt the workforce? And what did that mean for the kingdom of God? And without going into all of that, what's interesting to me is I think because of how long, the, and this is anecdotal based on talking to a lot of people, this is not some sort of systematic research I've done. I think because of how long the pandemic has continued early in the, if the pandemic had ended, let's say in June, I think that people would have had a very positive view of remote work. If you think back to this summer, my experience was both myself and others, we were all enjoying some of the flexibility you could go for walks. You, you know, you got more fresh air, you got all your work done and you were focused, but you also had this greater connectivity perhaps to your family. By now I, we've come to the other side of the bell curve. And I think people are very tired of it. Uh, I think for lots of folks, it's been very exhausting. They're feeling that loss of connection. So I'm, I don't know what this means, but I actually think that it's, and there's no way we'll ever be able to judge this. To me, it's less likely that a huge percentage of the workforce will continue to work remotely because I think people are counting that human cost in a way they wouldn't have a few months ago. And I think that teams are seeing the lack of connection as impacting the productivity of their employees. So there's that element of technology. I think, we, I think we've all come to appreciate and understand the limits of things like Zoom. Then there's other technology, artificial intelligence and, and robotics, and that's a lot of what these conferences were about. And I don't, I don't know if anybody can fully project how that's going to disrupt work, but I do think it will have a lot of similarities to what we're experiencing now, where some people are going to have just as much work and just as many career possibilities as they've had before. Some are suddenly going to have twice as much work to do with no increased compensation but just the volume of work that's going to come to them is going to be overwhelming. And just some people en masse are going to lose jobs, uh, mm -hmm. similar to the front end of the pandemic when all the restaurants closed and all those folks didn't have employment anymore. And it just sort of came overnight. I think that's going to happen. I, I think uh, a lot of uh, researchers are projecting that, that there'll be different career paths that just won't exist anymore mm -hmm. uh, once artificial intelligence and robotics reached a certain level um, of excellence. So I, I think it's going to be incumbent upon us in terms of loving our neighbors to be aware of what these things are and just pay attention to people who are through no fault of their own, only new technology. They're just going to be up a Creek and we need to be able to help them. Yeah. I think one of the things William Vanderblumen talks about in 2021 is the trend for restructuring uh, staff and organizations. And I, you said that, and I just think about while people may be restructured, changed, or technology may be uh, causing some changes on people, they still have gifts and varieties. And it, and it can, while it's not very easy to be, go through a job change that's not your choice, 
mm-hmm. it, it can be it can bring about some great fruition of 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 gifts and talents and, and abilities that are in you just played out in a different role and and things like that. So I, right. I think there's that. Um, I, I'm looking forward to reading. It's a new book um, that that is coming out. Of, I don't know if it's coming out in March or April, but um, Cal Newport has a book uh, that's coming out. It's called A World Without Email. And it's a big, uh, it's a conversation. You know, he wrote Digital Minimal- Minimalism right. previously, uh, but this is a conversation about uh, what is work, reimagining work in an age of communication and how we, we've been so trained and so geared in the workforce. And think about it now, people working from home, uh, just this haphazard messaging, bing, pinging back and forth, <clears throat> meeting here, meeting there. And he's, he, he kind of takes the time to dive into, is this system broken? And then what does it look like to, uh, to better define this workspace in this mm-hmm. environment? So we're just not constantly pinging each other back and forth to serve me, get what I need. I need that project done. Maybe this is a concept that goes back to, and I'm getting back to, relational purposes of the gospel and having friendships so you can go back to the six M's that you kind of just spoke about. I think Mm. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. Jordan, one of the questions, uh, I guess one of the conversations we had um, earlier uh, had to deal with um, that work disruption model that was out at Redeemer, city to city. And part of that question, um, what I was fascinated by, because I was unfamiliar with the model, I'm familiar with their faith and work stuff and city to city, but I, I, when I thought about what, what we were talking about in terms of how do you glorify God in your work as you work remotely, but in understanding this disruption and where people are located in the mm-hmm. disruption, and almost how do we, as, as Christ followers, how can we speak into and walk with people in these different areas or quadrants? Can you can you unpack that for us for just a moment? And, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as you said, this is from Redeemer City to Cities uh, Global Faith and Work Initiative. I wish I could say this was out of needle's eye, but you know, when other people do great work, you can hey, build copy on it, it, baby, copy it. You know, so um, I'll hold this up for you guys, but obviously the listeners won't be able to see it, so I'll try to explain it real succinctly. So they created uh, this model that is on an X and a Y axis, and it eventually becomes four different quadrants. And on the X axis, uh, they've called the routine work model. And essentially what it's saying is if you think starting at zero going to infinity, you know, zero is really your work has ground to a halt or been completely disrupted by the pandemic all the way over to infinity is you've got a ton more work to do just by virtue of how things have changed. And I'll give some examples as we go. So that's, that's the X axis. That's the horizontal axis. The Y axis has to do with your personal uh, socioeconomic flexibility and agency. That's their terms. But essentially what they're saying is, do you have the money in the bank and the opportunity to make a significant change in your career if you feel like you need one or are you stuck? So basically zero is you're stuck. Infinite is you can basically do anything you want. And so they divide this into four quadrants and they do it in such a way to help us uh, have understanding and compassion for the physical and the spiritual needs of each quadrant, and then to think through, and this is something we've been trying to do at Needles, I think through the unique temptations of each quadrant and how each quadrant might particularly resonate with the gospel. So quickly, the bottom left quadrant, people who have a very low ability to change their situation and their work is kind of ground to a halt, 
they call this impoverished and trying to survive. So these are people who are out of work. Again, maybe somebody who worked at a retail store that went out of business or they maybe they're a hotel cleaning staff and that hotel closed for a while. They're impoverished. They're trying to survive. To the right, bottom right corner, these are people who can't really change their situation, but they have a lot more to do and their compensation hasn't kept up with the volume of work. So they call this exploited and trying to progress. And a a key note here is they're not necessarily saying in this model that the bosses are exploiting their employees, but more that the circumstance is sort of taking advantage of them and nobody's figured out how to help them. So this might be an essential worker. An obvious example, I think here is a teacher. So the teacher may or may not have an ability to, to change his or her career if it's too overwhelming, but they have a lot more to do. They're doing virtual school. They're doing in-person school. There's all kinds of restrictions, all these moving pieces with kids. But it's not like we started paying teachers 150% of what they were making before. Right. Top left corner, they call strategizing with an unclear path. So this might be, this is somebody with you know money in the bank, ability to make a change, but their, their work is ground to a halt. So easy example would be you owned a couple restaurants. You had to close them all because of the pandemic, which was heartbreaking because you loved it but you have the financial margin to go be an entrepreneur in a different way. You're just not sure what that is. And then lastly uh, is the folks who have a lot of freedom and agency, but a ton of work to do. Um, I think of the CEO of Zoom. This is my easy example. Whoever he or she is, they didn't expect to have as much work as they have now, uh, but they probably also have the ability if they needed to cash out and go do something else, they could do that. And so Redeemer calls this overwhelmed and trying to keep up. So what we've done at Needle's Eye is try to really think through how do each of those four quadrants, how are they struggling during this time? But also for us, is there one of these that we unintentionally just don't serve very well? One of these quadrants that we haven't been resourcing, haven't been supporting as well as we could, and how can we do that more effectively and where do they need the gospel and support? So that's that's that model. And I remember Brad, when we talked last week, you spoke about one of those in particular resonating with you as being uh, maybe somewhere that your church needed to serve more or maybe that you put an extra emphasis on. What was that? Well, I think the area that for us as a church, what we look at most are those people that are perhaps impoverished and can't make a move. I mean, the idea of they are out of, I mean, that's that's the whole, and I think that's the, the premise of the church. That's the food pantry. That's the rental assistance. That's doing all that stuff to help perpetuate or to somehow help move them to next month and the month after. And I said, what's interesting in that, I think for the church, we've forgotten about the other three quadrants. And from that standpoint, we've forgotten about the, I mean, and of course I'm married to an educator, so I know that she's working a whole lot more than, I mean, she was up till very, very late last night grading papers electronically, you know? And so it's like, she's doing a whole lot more and yet things are still the same and the expectations have changed and the amount of work that they do during the day and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's all good in a sense, but there's this, you know, we're, I don't think we're working a lot in that area. And then of course too, on the other end, the, the people can cash out and the others, I don't think we're doing a whole lot of work in those areas as well. But what I liked about the work disruption model is it gave us a picture of who's out there and it makes us think beyond what's the immediate in front of us and really to look at what are the opportunities. Because there again, if we want to glorify God with our work, the work of the gospel, the work of the church and all that kind of stuff, I think it's this this full picture of who all's out there. Um, that's what I love about that that model mm-hmm. and, and what came came out of City to City. But uh, yeah, I mean, do you think, I mean, I think yeah. as a church, oh, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, we're looking sure. at, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
in my experience, I think folks feel less. I've probably never said the word folks as often as I have on this podcast. So I don't know what you guys are doing to me. Reimagine, reimagine. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I think uh, in my small group experience, if you're out of work or you're underemployed, you feel a lot of freedom to share about that. That's a prayer request. Yeah. If you're doing pretty well, but you're overwhelmed and stressed, you often feel kind of reluctant or maybe even guilty bringing that up as some, yeah. something that needs prayer and support. And I think this model helps us to see that people at each end of the spectrum need the Lord. They need community. They need support. And I think that's really helpful. Yeah, I know from a small group perspective uh, with a couple of uh, folks that are in, in mine, uh, you know, just to see them come in and, and just make this, you know, Hey, I, I sit at a desk all day by myself at home, uh, you know, and and how much I need this group. Like I can just show up to this group, and it's in a it's in a safe environment or whatever. But they just show up to the group, and how important that is. So uh, I I agree. People are struggling with that, and they need an outlet to express that. And depending on personality or or type of job, is you get you get a lot or you get a little. But you can yeah. see it. You can see it. Let me just say it this way: you can see it on us all. I mean, yeah. none of us are immune to it. No, no. So, yeah. so Jordan, one last question for you. Um, as we as we kind of talk, our theme is reimagine, and as we reimagine for a moment, um, how can we help others think about what it looks like to glorify God um, in their work today? Mm-hmm. Any, any practical things or any suggestions you could give us? Things to think about. Yeah, I have, a. I think, probably four things that I would say. Um and really where I'm coming from is the perspective of anybody can be a kind person and a hard worker. That's not unique to the body of Christ. Probably all of us have had coworkers who were wonderful folks and didn't know the Lord. Mm-hmm. So what is unique about a Christian at work? And I think it's a couple things. So one is if Jesus is our savior and he's our model and he's our example and we're following him, he tells us to take up our crosses. So what does self-sacrifice look like in the workplace? Not self-promotion, but self-sacrifice. I think that looks different in different contexts, but you know, it certainly looks like not taking credit for work you didn't do. Looks like uh, giving freely of your time as a mentor when you're able to, all those things. So I think I think tremendous self-sacrifice is a way to glorify God at work because that follows Christ. I think moral courage, and I touched on this earlier, standing up for what's right, Again, not necessarily your stance on the issues, unless that's relevant to your work, but standing up for what's right at your workplace and how people ought to be treated, how decisions ought to be made. That may vary depending upon where you are, but I don't think it varies that much. I think all of us have some level of influence, large or small. Then I think, especially in the really contentious and chaotic culture that we're in right now, building bridges at work, especially with those who are very different than you. What a witness to Christ it would be if you built a relationship with the person who, whose political views were the most diametrically opposed to yours. Mm-hmm. Not because you were going to try to make them see things your way, but just out of reverence for Christ and to try to understand and respect them a little bit more. Or the, person the second part of that phrase is the most important. <laughs> Not to try to get them to your political end, yeah. but try to be, you know, so I hate to interrupt you, but I mean. No, yeah, no, but yeah, thinking. I think yeah. that's critical. Yeah. Um, and or the person whose life experience is the most dissimilar to yours uh, or work experience. You know, what if you tried to build relationships just for the glory of God? And then I think the last one real fast is um, I have found, I'd be interested to, to know if you guys have found this to be true. 
as our society becomes increasingly postmodern and post-truth, people still respond well to a personal testimony, but they're also fairly willing to dismiss it and say, well, that sounds wonderful. I haven't had that experience. What I've found actually that people can't dismiss and ignore is the presence of the fruit of the spirit in your life because uh, no philosophy or um, secular humanism, it doesn't get you to peace and joy regardless of circumstances. It doesn't make you a very forgiving person. And so we've been talking a lot uh, to our folks about trying to embody the peace and joy of the spirit, which really comes from taking your eyes off of your immediate circumstances and putting them on the Lord. You might be going through some really awful stuff, but if you keep your eyes on the Lord a little bit, uh, the Holy Spirit brings out that peace and joy that is objectively different than what you would have unto yourself and what the world can have. And I think that that's a, a really profound thing that we can demonstrate to other people where they can't look at us and just say, wow, you're just a good person and a hard worker. They say, there's, there's something different about you. What's different? I want that. Um, so I think that fruit of the Spirit and the way that we can um, manifest that unto the Lord is really powerful. Yeah, oh, Definitely. Yeah, those are really four four good points there. Uh, particularly the the last one you just spoke about. I mean, I was in a conversation uh, yesterday, uh, kind of in that in that regard to uh, just the um, just the presence piece and uh, the importance of that. And what is that idea of come see and experience to truly know, right? Uh, and it's it's that um, just that the, the fruit of the spirit that just comes out that sets you apart. There's several times over over the last several months that as we've done research, as we've heard people speak or seen people speak on, on a variety of, of cultural trends, topics, and disruptions, um, it's interesting to be able to see people and just say, you know what, um, there, there's an, an element there from a Christian perspective that brought peace to me just in listening. Mm, yeah. Right? Uh, and so it removed, whether I agreed fully or disagreed fully with it, there was still an element of the opportunity for me to listen because there was this, there was the presence of of, yeah. of Christ's spirit within that person in the communication process. Yeah. So that's that's a that that fourth one. There's a deeper dive into, to you know, to a whole other conversation too. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, let me ask you. Uh, I mean, you've got several good things that Needles Eyes working on. Uh, you have the framework there that you've given to us. Certainly, these mm-hmm. four things that I think are are practical for people. Uh, to take into a workplace environment there at the end that you mentioned. Uh, how do people connect to Needle's Eye? That's a great question. So uh, we, right now, I would say there are probably three things that we're offering. We're trying to figure it out as the uh, pandemic continues. Uh, we continue to have small groups all over town for folks at any point in their career, from just out of college, actually into retirement, who want to glorify God with their work or their work experience. Men, women, entry level to CEO, anybody's welcome. You can reach out to us about that. We'd love to help you get connected. Some of those are meeting in person in Safeway. Some are online. Um, We uh, are putting out uh, weekly digital content to try to help resource people at work, whether it's an interview with somebody uh, in the workplace or these kinds of frameworks or teachings of how to apply things like the fruit of the spirit to your workplace. That might be helpful to people if they want to sign up for our weekly emails. We're not soliciting. We're not selling you anything. We're just trying to to offer some discipleship resources. And then we will be uh, beginning to roll out a lot more uh, events and conferences. Uh, For example, we're planning our first uh, Faith, Work, and Women conference 
because that's an intersection that rarely gets talked about. Uh, there are many different events and conferences that hit two out of three, but not all three of those. And we're excited about that. We have something for young professionals in the works in the next month or so, a bunch of things like that uh, to try to just do our best to support people and limit it out day after day and um, handling all those challenges that everybody's facing. So where on the World Wide Web will we find you or social? Yeah, thank you. Needleseye.org. So needle with an S and then EYE.org. You can find all of those things and uh, get signed up for anything you're interested in. And they can just uh, reference you in that, whatever they find there. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's contact information that, you know, if if you've been on the internet in the last 20 years, you'll be able to figure out how to navigate our page. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, sounds like you got a new job. Well, I just want to say thanks for being on the, on the show Absolutely. today. It, it's a this is something that people talk about all the time, and as yeah. they they're not only wrestling with their faith in in conversation of it and living it out, but they're now even wrestling more with their workplace environment. And so, I just think this is a a, a great conversation, and it's not going to stop. Uh, you're right. Uh, there's 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 uh, trends changing both in the uh, term of evangelicalism and how that goes forward, and in how we go to work. And so we're reimagining all those as being Jesus followers in that. So Jordan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today with us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun guys. And and I just really think we think at Needle's Eye that the best thing that could happen would be for churches to start helping their folks integrate faith and work. You all have a, uh, a role shepherding God's people that's greater than ours because you're you're the local church and so we're thrilled that Cool Spring is passionate about this and and just appreciate what you all do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So thank you for joining us today on the Reimagine Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, and download any of the episodes and share them and rate them. So you can also check us out on reimaginecast.com. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagine Podcast.